Good morning, NBCC. We are so excited to have you here with us this morning. If you're in here today, we want to get connected with you. So go ahead and text CONNECT to the number on your screen. Here at NBCC, there are so many ways to get involved in serving. So go ahead and text SERVE to the number on your screen so you can see where God's calling you and get involved. This morning, we're going to start off our service by worshiping. Please join us as our worship leader, Mark, leads us in this amazing time. I count on one thing Seeing God never fails He won't fail me now He won't fail me now He's in my waiting Seeing God is never late He's working all things out He's working all things out Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for the day that my heart is heavy. Thank you. 
There's a rain stream the heart is on the fire When rain and the walls are closing in When I look at the space between where it used to be in this memory See, I know I will never be alone In the fire Standing next to me There's another in the wars Holding back the scenes Should I ever be reminded Of how I've been saved There's a cross that bears my birth Another time for me Cause on my death there was a beneath the wall I'm no longer a slave to myself I fall in the space between where I used to be in this memory where I know I will never bound the things of this world Cause I know I will never be alone There's another in the fire standing next to me There's another There is no other name than the name that is Jesus. He who was and still is and will be through it all. Become one man in the space between all the things unseen in this reckoning. For I know I will never be. I know I will never be 
there's another in the waters holding back the sea. Should I ever be mine? I've been set free as a cross that bears my burden. Will another die for me? As we finish our music portion of our service this morning, our worship doesn't have to stop. We want to continue with worship by giving. We try to make that as easy as possible for you, so you can either go to our mobile app or our website. We are ready to hear what Pastor Mike has to say through his word this morning. So let's jump on in. Welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. I am so glad that you're with us. I just believe, you know, any amount of time that we're in the word together and we worship God, something happens in the supernatural, something happens in our heart that brings a definite transformation and life change. And I think we would all agree, especially what we're going through right now with you know, COVID and just all the challenges that we have in our culture right now, we are in desperate need of change, man. We need change. And the, the biggest kind of change that we need is a change of heart of every single person. And I believe that God is the one that can bring that change. We're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be in chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. We're just making our way chapter by chapter, verse by verse. But I do want to mention just a couple of quick things before we get into it. I've entitled this series called Ready or Not because I really want you to be ready. I want to be ready for the second coming of Christ. Uh, and that's what the entire book really, First uh, and Second Thessalonians, is about. Hey, we have a youth ministry here I just want you to know about. Um, junior high through young adults. And we believe in this generation coming up behind us. So we uh, put resources, we put people, we have a youth pastor full-time who's uh, overseeing that age group. We have directors and that ministry is just moving along with our children's ministry. Things are happening. Um, something happened this week. I just want to tell you there was a guest speaker who came, uh, very popular on social media called Big Nick. He just came in um, through a call from our youth pastor and uh, he came down from San Diego and came and gave his testimony. We had about 100 students here uh, this week at that Wednesday night youth meeting. And I just got to tell you, because it's just, it's just so big that this happened. Um, at the end of the message, there was just a call for students to give their lives to Jesus Christ. And we had some students do that. They raised their hand. They gave their life to the Lord. And we're just believing that is a start of something that's really going to spark in our young people. And here's what I want to say. Um, whether we've been in church all our life or whether we have never stepped foot in a church building, we all need Jesus Christ. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have young uh, children who are believers in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to get them to youth nights, get them involved in youth ministry. They have the potential to reach their friends for Jesus and to bring them to a night here on a Wednesday night, midweek, whether they're uh, children's ministry, MV Kids, or youth ministry, um, uh, age. I, I just believe that, that, that there's a great awakening ready to happen, and we are all participants in that. And I just want to encourage you, when you bring a friend to services, when you bring a friend to Christ, when you bring a friend to a, a youth meeting, whatever it is, um, there's something, there's a doorway there that they catch a glimpse of who God is, and some of them will step into eternity. So we thank God for those souls that gave their lives to Christ this week. Also, I wanted to let you know, um, I'm sure you know that Easter is coming up very, very soon. We are six weeks away from Easter Sunday. It is normally, traditionally, the biggest Sunday ever in regards to Christianity and churches. Of course, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but that's when most people attend church. Well, as you know, um, COVID has really turned everything upside down. 
And we don't really know what to expect. We're, we're believing and hoping that there's going to be a lot of people in the midst of the pandemic who are hurting, depressed, problems, issues, confusion, just, just really just strung out on, on just uh, daily issues that just need God again. And here's what I want to ask you to do. If you are a member of MVCC, this is your spiritual home. I want to ask you to pray. I want to ask you to ask one or two or three, four people to come with you on Easter Sunday here at MVCC. We have one service, 10 a.m. It's outdoors. We're believing it's just going to be one of the best services of the year because it's always focused on Him and, of course, the resurrection. Also, on Easter Sunday, if you've been thinking about getting baptized, this is your Sunday. We're having a special baptism right after the service, and you can get on our website and you can get information about signing up for that. And this is what I want to say about this. Your baptism, when you stand in that water and you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, is one of the most monumental things you can ever do. When you go down into those waters, you are once again reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you are uniting with Him in faith. And I just want to say, wow, this, this is your chance and opportunity to do it on the greatest day of the year. So you can get to the website, and uh, we'd love to help you with that. Question, have you ever felt like you lost your foundation? Have you ever felt like whatever arena of life was you were in, that someone just kind of came along and you thought you were on a sure foundation and someone came along and just ripped out the rug from with, uh, right under your feet and you lost your footing. And when I was uh, 17 and a half years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it was the best thing I had ever done in my life. I haven't done very many good things, but this was definitely one of the few good things that I've done is given my heart to Jesus. Well, he just changed my whole life. I mean, I did a 180 degree turnaround. Life was so awesome. All of a sudden I had peace and joy and God put contentment back in my heart. And it just, man, I couldn't get enough of going to church, couldn't get enough of, you know, reading my Bible. And I was asking my friends from high school, you know, hey, you got to come to church with me. And man, I just, I just went full out for Jesus. I, I had come to a place of understanding that the gospel, the good news, that when Jesus died on that cross, he gave his all for me personally, and I just wanted to give my all back. It was about six months into um, knowing Jesus, and really all I knew was Him. I was excited, I was enthusiastic, couldn't wait to get to the next service, couldn't wait to go to the next youth night. And uh, I was in, it was a, uh, six months into it, my faith, and I was in the uh, driveway washing uh, my car on a Saturday. A couple of guys came up, and they're riding bicycles, and they had their ties on and badges, and they uh, began to tell me about God, and they began, tell, began to tell me about their church, the Mormon church. And I didn't really know much about anything. All I knew was Jesus. And so um, they gave me this book called The Book of Mormon, and they said, you know, we'd love to have you come, and they kind of went on their way. Well, leaving that conversation, I all of a sudden had a lot of questions. Um, what religion is right? Should I be Mormon? Should I be Jehovah's Witness? Is Christianity true? Is the Bible true? And all of a sudden, now all of these questions, it almost like I felt like this foundation that I was so sure standing on, the excitement of knowing Jesus, it was like someone just kind of quietly came by and pulled out the rug from under me. And all of a sudden, my sure foundation was now on a rocky ground. I immediately went over to my, my youth pastor's house. He was a great guy. He would just... He opened up his life to me. He helped me walk with the Lord. And I said, hey, um, 
you're not going to believe what just happened. These two guys came and uh, they told me I needed to be a Mormon. What do I do? And how do we know Mormons are right? And how do we know Christians are right? And all these questions. And he was so patient with me. He said, look, here's, here's what makes Christianity different. He began to go through some very basic principles. And one of the main things we know that Christianity is unique from all other man-made religions is that it stands on God's word. The Bible. And after that experience, he put a book in my hand. It was called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And it was basically written by a college professor who was a supreme atheist. He went out to disprove Christianity. What happened was, is through all of his investigations, he came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, and Jesus did die on a cross, and he did rise from the dead, and we can all be saved through putting our faith in him. He ended up giving his life to Christ and then years later, he became this uh, nationwide uh, speaker and wrote books all about the evidences of the faith. I want so much, especially in these last days, and we are definitely experiencing a level of persecution that we have not experienced before. I believe we're headed for some very, very heavy persecutions from the world against the church and against Christianity. I want you, I want myself, I want our and Mission Vale Christian Church family to be prepared. And the best way to do that is to be so close and so sure about the Word of God. Now, the setting of the Thessalonican people here, they came from the city of Thessalonica. They say there was about 200,000 people 2,000 years ago in that city. Things were going well for them, you know, financially. They're very lucrative. Word got out that it's a very successful city uh, in regards to the economy. But something they were missing, and that was an intimate walk, an intimate relationship with God, the one true God, Jesus Christ. Paul, the apostle, comes into the city. He gives them the gospel, the good news. They get saved. People start coming, and all of a sudden the church starts growing. He was only able to be there for three weeks because the government basically pushed him out of the city because he was, in their mind, taking people away from uh, 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 the rule of Caesar of the day. People were accepting Jesus as king, and they interpreted that, the government interpreted that, as they were no longer going to be subjective to Caesar. So they said, we got to get Paul and his companions out of here. That's why he was only there for three weeks. This is all back in Acts chapter 16, and then later spilling over into after, uh, Acts chapter 17. Why I say that is this. As soon as Paul left, and they began to establish the church, man, things were happening. People were getting saved. People were talking about the Lord. The city was changed. Society was changed because the hearts were changed. Well, all of a sudden, there was persecution against the church. You can't do this. You can't meet here. Driving people out of the city, moving them around, cutting them from their work. I mean, all these things were happening, negative things. And so it almost like someone took the rug from under them and pulled it and the sure foundation that they were standing on all of a sudden was in question. And that's what the occasion was for Paul, who was the author of this letter, to write the second chapter in these verses. He wanted them to be absolutely sure that the word he was giving them, the apostles' word, the word of God, and the letters that were passed around, anointed, and all scripture being God-breathed, everything they had in their hands was definitely from God. Listen, we live in a day right now 
that we have to be absolutely sure of the foundation we are standing on. It cannot be built on emotionalism. It can't be built on some enthusiasm. It can't be built on some feeling or some experience. Those things are fine, but that's not the sure foundation of our faith. This book right here, and I just want to go through some very quick principles on why this book is so different from any other piece of literature known to mankind, and that is the Bible. So let's read here in Second, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're just going to pick it up here in verse 13, and we'll move on to what I believe God has for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's church in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the very same things those churches suffered from the Jews who had killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit. And so the wrath of God has come upon them at last. Really, in a nutshell, what Paul is trying to communicate to them is this. You know we brought you the Word of God, the Bible, the letters that were handwritten by men through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You have them in your hand. It is the Word of God. And even though you're undergoing suffering, know that Jesus also suffered. And even the prophets before Jesus in the Old Testament, they suffered for preaching and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and the Bible itself. So you're in good company. If you're experiencing some type of loss, if you're experiencing persecution or hard times or difficult times or being shunned by people because you're standing up for the truth or you're living your, your life for Christ, count it all joy because you know that you are following in the same footsteps of Jesus Christ. Paul is encouraging them to stay close to the word. There's three things I see here really quick about the Thessalonian people that we, we can really take to heart. Number one is this, they learned the Bible is God's word. Very clear here in these verses, the Apostle Paul is teaching them that the very word that they have is God's word. Second is they received the word. They didn't just believe it. They actually received the word in their heart. And then number three is they became imitators of the word of God. It's not so much that we read the word and know the word of God, but we live the word. That's when the word really becomes exciting to us, when we get to see the, the, the examples that God uses just from our humble lives. So let's talk about here. The Bible itself. What makes the Bible unique and what makes the Word of God so unique? There's two things I want in these next few minutes for us to be able to walk away with. Number one is this. I want you to know why this book is unique, the Bible itself, because you may have someone in your life who has question about that, maybe doesn't believe that, and I believe that every single Christ follower needs to know why they believe what they believe. And secondly, I want you to fall in love with this book. I want it to be so life-transforming that you fall in love with it. You just want to read it and devour it and live it. So number one, why would we put our faith in the Word of God? Well, number one is because it is accurate. The Bible has accuracy. 
There's over 5,500 what we call early manuscripts of the New Testament alone that are in museums and literally on display today. In fact, John's Gospel, uh, the Gospel of John, was found only, the early manuscript was found only 30 years after John's death. We compare that with the writings of uh, the Gaelic Wars by Caesar. Um, the earliest copy is a thousand years later after that was written. The Odyssey by Homer, 2200 years later, was found the first early manuscript. So it's just very interesting that we have early manuscripts and the accuracy of God's Word. It stands head above heels than any other piece of literature that we have in existence. You know what's interesting about that is they don't attack very much some of these other pieces of literature. But over the years, the Bible has been attacked and attacked and attacked by skeptics. But it has always been able to stand the test of time. Num number one, because of its accuracy. Secondly, is because of its reliability. The Bible is reliable. The Bible is the only religious book that uses real places, real things, real people, real events that they can go back in history and actually verify and have credibility that these places, people, events really existed. These things really happened. They can't say that about all the other religious books that have been so-called been from God, which really were just written by man. We have real artifacts in museums that have been dug up that were mentioned in the Bible and literally put in museums. And we can go there today in the Holy Land and literally we can see, touch, and literally see those artifacts that are mentioned in the Bible. So first of all, we have the accuracy, we have the reliability, and thirdly, we have the unity. This is amazing to me. That the Bible is unified, 66 books written over a span of 1,500 years, by 40 different authors on three different continents, and they all say the same thing. What's amazing to me is all those different authors who God used to put together the Word of God were shepherds, fishermen, prime ministers, and they all unify in the very same message. So people who say, well, the Bible's just written by hands of men. It was just written by people. Yes, it was written by people, but um, the book of 2 Timothy tells us that it was uh, 1 Timothy tells us that it was God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God. And so the very unique thing about the Bible is these people came from all different walks of life, and they all say the same thing. We were created by God. God is a loving God. He wants relationship with us, but we've all run away from God. We've all rebelled. We've all done something wrong against God. Jesus came down. God came down in the form of a man. He took our place paid for our sins on the cross. He rose again on the third day to secure our salvation. And if we put our faith and trust in him, we are saved. They all agree on that very same truth. All right, number four is this, what we call prophecy. Prophecy is just simply God seen in the future and God has a hand in what's happening every day in our life. There are over 300 prophecies in the Bible alone about Jesus Christ, things that were, 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 were said about him, things that happened to him, things that he did for the 33 years that he was here on the earth. The odds of one man trying to fulfill all 300 prophecies are virtually impossible. It, it just cannot be done. Skeptics say, well, Jesus read the prophecies and then he fulfilled them himself. Well, that's impossible because some of those prophecies were out of his control. Things that were happening to him, things that were said to him while he was literally hanging on the cross, things that were completely out of his control. So I just see this as very simple, that God uses his word to show us his goodness. 
there was a, a young man named Billy Graham who had some questions about this book, the Bible, he wrestled with. And this is what he said. Early in my faith, I had some doubts about the Bible. But one night in 1949, I knelt down at a tree stump at Forest Home Camp in Southern California. I opened my Bible, and this is what I said to God. Oh God, there are many things I don't understand in this book, but I accept it by faith as your infallible word from Genesis all the way to Revelation, end quote. And the rest is history. If you're listening to this or you know someone who has questions about the Bible, you're in good company. I still have some questions, the things that happened in here that I don't understand. But the central truth of it being God's word is definitely without question. Now, let's just wrap up with this. What do we do with these things that I'm, I, I, I knew these things and now I'm just solidified with them? Or maybe some of this stuff is new and you're thinking, you know, I got to ta- check out Christianity. I got to check out whether Jesus really was the son of God. And I want to encourage you to do that. But here's, here's one thing I just want to leave us with. No matter what you're going through, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're suffering, you're going through something that you didn't want to go through, you're in a situation you don't like, the Word of God has got to be your anchor. The Apostle Paul was in riots, beaten, he was in prison, but he always returned back to the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to do something. This is my very first Bible. Um, I think I got this Bible like two weeks after I got saved. And someone gave it to me, ironically, from Missionvale Christian Church when I was 17 and a half years old. Um, I have this card, actually, that I saved, this Missionvale Christian Church Connect card. And these are the things that I wrote down that says, you must do, continue to follow Jesus. Prayer, reading the Word, witnessing to your friends and family, and fellowshipping with other believers. Number two is the one that I really want to key in on and I really want to encourage you to do is to simply, if you haven't done this, to read the Bible. So where do I start? Simple. I would encourage everyone listening to this to start with the book of Mark. I like Mark because it's 16 chapters. It's all about the life of Jesus. Mark gets right to it. After you read Mark, you want to go right into Acts because where Mark leaves off, you want to get right into Acts of the resurrection or uh, the ascension into heaven and then Christianity starts spreading. Thirdly, I want to ask you to read the book of James. Why? Because after you've given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to read James, who really talks about practical Christianity and living as a Christian. And when you finish the book of James, you start right back at the book of Matthew, and you go all the way through the New Testament. Now, one last thing on this. Before you count this as like a race, it's not. It's not how quickly you can get it done. But I just want to say, being in the Word every single day and living the Word is the best thing that we can do, and that's what we need for change. So I really hope this has been encouraging for you. I want to encourage you to like this, if this message helped you, and and maybe share it with somebody. And just know that we're always here on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. We'd love to see you here. And don't forget, Easter service, 10 a.m., bring someone with you. We'll see you next week in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Ready or Not. 